The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Diamondback Covers, the absolute best cover you could ever spend your money on. If you need an insurance policy for all the expensive gear on the back of your truck, then you need a Diamondback cover. Make the bed of your truck a vault with Diamondback. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want it? Welcome back to Redneck Tech Podcast, episode 90. And on this one, we've got our buddy Chris Irwin on the phone. What's up, buddy? Hey, guys. What's going on? Oh, nothing much. Just hanging out in the office, you know, enjoying um, the time that we have to be at home for once and not run around. But not going to lie, we're getting getting a little bit of cabin fever. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was uh, till this morning. I got out and chased a couple of birds uh, here behind my property in Alabama. So, uh, kind of got that fix this morning. But yeah, I saw some of the pictures. They look awesome. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fun. Actually, it's about four yards off my front porch with those birds. Well, what we were going to talk to you about is about taking pictures. Of course, we have to call the man, the myth, the legend, Mister. I know a guy, Chris Irwin, to talk about pictures. Um, yep. You got me and Ryer here, but we were just going to ask you a couple. Hey, Ryer, buddy. Hey, how's it going? Good. Yeah, we were gonna. Good. We were just going to talk to you about you know. First of all, I want you to kind of let everybody know what you've been doing all fall because you um kind of went on your own little adventure. Well, let's see. It started out uh, back in the summer. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It did start back in August, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was actually stemmed off of you and I's and. Uh, the first time I met Ryder, to be honest with you, you want to go back that far. Yeah, September. yeah, for sure. Uh, we were on that trip uh, chasing your elk out in uh, Wyoming. Yeah, it was 2018, September 2018. Yeah. And uh, so off of that, I just decided to make the move to uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Uh, just kind of got tired of the, uh, let's call it the um, political agendas of corporate world. Uh that you know we all seem to be stuck in you can't get away from it yeah um uh huh there's birds scratching right here next to my house i can hear them just still sorry <laughs> you're that's, fine that's what, that's what add looks like right here. <laughs> uh, um so uh, i ended up making uh making the move to jackson hole wyoming uh and uh being a guide uh, for a company called Phoenix Safaris and Mad River. Uh, obviously, they do uh, guide trips into Yellowstone and the Grand Teton National Parks, as well as uh, scenic rafting trips and whitewater rafting trips on the Snake River. And uh, while doing that, uh, they've also uh, allowed me to do photography, which kind of helps them with their social media because I just give them those images. Uh some of them are done with my phone, and some are done with a camera. Just depends on what kind of shot it is and what availability, that kind of thing. But yep. it's been a pretty good little gig. Just it's one of those jobs. It's not really a job, except you got to get up every morning at four a.m. But that's the same job we've always had, right? Yeah. Watching. Well, I, don't you get up that morning that early anyway? Yeah, I haven't been for the last three weeks, except for when I've got turkeys. Oh, yeah. Well, you're uh, back in Alabama, back in the real world now. Right. Right. But you're heading, um, you're heading back out to Jackson, aren't you? That's right. Yeah, I'm going to go back probably in six weeks uh, for the uh, summer season. Uh, 
same thing, uh, guiding. Uh, and I can make some of those images available to you, too, if you need to for this. Oh, yeah, podcast. we'll definitely steal some if you'll let us have some. But, yeah, that's what I wanted to ask yeah. you about. It's kind of like, what is it, how is it, you know, different, you know, you took pics for Bass Pro forever and ever, and you did some freelance stuff. And how is it, you know, being out in Jackson and a place like that, and you, for, for the most part, get to take pictures just for fun, and you get to take pictures of what you want to take them of? Well, and that's just it. It, it is that way exactly, except um, – one of the things I do is I have a portfolio put together on an iPad, just like I did when I went to ATA and Shop Show and um, iCast, and uh, created one just specifically for Wyoming and the things that are featured in Wyoming. They could have been pictures I took today, last week, 10 years ago, you know, whatever. But uh, So on some days, clients are in the vehicle with me that I'm guiding through the park, and the park is so overcast as you and your wife experienced, the times don't exist. So I can send them a picture on the iPad of the Tetons at sunrise, sunset, you know, stars, whatever. And um, they end up wanting to buy those images from me. So I get to show them what as Oh, we're losing you, buddy. How about that? Walk here. Quit, I'll quit looking at turkeys. <laughs> yeah, we were losing you there for a second. Sorry. Uh, so uh, I'll recap a bit. You know, I get to do pictures and then show pictures to people if they can't visually see the mountain around them just because it's uh, covered up. Yeah. You know, in um, oh, I've been I've been duped. It's the farm chickens that are in here scratching. <laughs> there goes the ADD again. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds exactly the same way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So clients will actually want to buy images uh, that I show them on an iPad. Yeah. But you're but you're going out there and you're taking pictures of what you want to take pictures of. Sure. Exactly. You know, and it's it's just like anybody else when you're new to a new to a new environment. Uh, you know, it's, it's all virgin territory, even though I've been there 10 or 15 times. You've never gotten to just enjoy it though. You never get to enjoy it. You're always rushed around. Yep. Just like on an elk, you've got five days. Well, guess what? You're not sleeping. You're going all the time. Yeah. So and now I get to plan trips, plan sunrises, uh, you know, of the Mormon barns, uh, or the moon and, you know, just. I get to plan what I want to do. If I want to do nothing but chase moose. Yeah, well, that's that was my next thing. Is t- tell me about some of the animals. Elk. Yeah, tell me about some of the animals. Uh, around that area right there, uh, you have the raptors, you know, the eagle, bald eagles. Um, and um, hawks, of course, great gray owl. Um, and then you've got... Um, Moose, obviously, the Shiras moose is there. In fact, that's the largest uh, concentration of Shiras moose in four states and two con- or, um, territories in Canada. Um, all are in that area right there around Jackson. One yeah. day I count 21 with a client. Dang. Now, we, we kind of made a game out of it. You know, we both had a pair of 12 by 50 binos, and we're both, you know, let's see who can find the most. You know, if you want to find moose, let's see if you can find the moose first. So uh, when you've got somebody as a client that's a hunter in the vehicle with you that wants to find animals while they're on vacation, it makes it a lot of fun. You know? Yeah, for sure. They, 
they have the eyeball that you and I have and Ryer has of we know how to spot animals. I mean, there's some people you would be blown away from, let's say, downtown New York, Manhattan, that I'm guiding into just the Tetons. And I'm showing them a mule deer buck no more than, let's say, 300 yards away, and they can't see it. I'm like, how can you not see that? <laughs> so I end up setting up a pair of, you know, a spotting scope on a tripod. And I'm like, okay, look through there. And they're like, oh, I'm looking at that. I'm like, yeah, what do you think you're looking for, you know? <laughs> so it's kind of weird when you're trying to show somebody who doesn't even know what a mule deer looks like. Oh, yeah, And then you sure. have to educate them about, um, you know, the mule deer habitat and why they're in the area. And why we have a limited a supply of white-tailed deer in the area compared to mule deer. You know, and it's it's fun to educate people and to be educated at the same time. Yeah, you know? for sure. I've had to learn so much. Uh, I mean, even just about the Shiras moose. I mean, you'd be blown away how much information is there. Um, but to answer your question, you got the Shiras moose, the elk. Uh, and the elk herd is in Jackson right now in the Teton um um, I'm sorry, in, in the, in the refuge? Elk refuge, yeah, there's like 8,400 showed up this year. Wow. So if you were out there, there was nothing there. No, it was a ghost I, town, yeah. On Black Creek there, you know, and now, and, and they were given sleigh rides, and I never took the sleigh ride, because they were driving people out, and you could get right up next to the bulls, and you don't need a 600-millimeter lens. You could use a 100-millimeter. Yeah. But to me, that was just kind of like cheating you know, the photography world. Cause it's like, I don't, I want to, I want to find my own animals if that makes sense. You know, well, you said you a really nice elk out in away from the refuge. Uh, you, you can tell the animals do not want to be in that refuge. You know, they just, they're there for the free food. You know, the government handout is what I call it. And they, <laughs> as soon as the snow's gone, they're out of there. They're, they're leaving this week. I got a buddy that was out there shooting this week. He's like, dude, they're leaving. They're leaving. So, well, you sent me some uh, pictures. You sent me some pictures of rams. You sent me some pictures. Yeah, of, there's Rocky Mountain uh, bighorn sheep and uh, mountain goats are there. Yeah, you it's, sent me some pictures started, of all that. Yeah, they've started eradicating the uh, um, uh, the mountain goat because they're claiming it's bringing in diseases. There's a big, huge stink in Jackson right now between the national park and the National Forest, and the um, fish and game. The fish and game are claiming, you know, you can't go out and shoot an animal any time of the year, whether it's in season or not, and then just leave it play. That's called wanton waste. But because you're the National Park, you're, you know, you're exempt from that. So they were literally flying in there in helicopters with, uh, um, you know, Basically, snipers flying out the side of the helicopters. Dang, did you get any pictures of that? I did not. They that were doing cool. that. Yeah, they were doing that. Uh, I figured you'd have sent me something like that, though. You always send me some really oh, good yeah. ones. Yeah. You took show, tell me tell me the story about the one you sent with the Shiras moose in the middle of all the cars. Uh. You sent it to me like yesterday or the day before. It was one that uh, yeah, there was a I big did. moose in between really a bunch got, of trucks. Because really, I'm selling that to a client. Uh huh. Uh, and they asked me in one of the questions, have you shown this or talked to this or printed this anywhere? Oh, okay. Like, I, I just edited it yesterday. So, yeah. uh, so we'll see if that goes through and then I'll uh, send you a text and say, yeah, they ended up buying that. Nice. Um, 
Yeah. You know, and it's the shot that you're thinking, why am I even shooting this? Yeah. And you come home and, you know, you're editing stuff and you get a text, hey, send us pictures of moose, sheep, uh, elk, and uh, fall fish. And it's got to be goofy. It's got to be pictures that people would never think to take. And I'm like, really? So you send them the stuff that we're used to seeing in catalogs mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, hunting magazines. And that's like, no, no, no. We want something funny or goofy out of the ordinary. Yeah. And uh, if that one sells, we'll able to, we'll be able to print it up later and show people. But Very cool. But, yeah. it's just and, and you saw what I mean when you see that picture. It's like, that's kind of cool. It looks mm-hmm. like he's hiding amongst the cars. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so some of the some of the opportunities you get with animals like you like you know now are in the parking lot because you're they've basically just like everywhere else we've encroached on the animals territory now you know and uh animals that are in the national park understand that they have the right of way i mean you see a bison single bull or a herd of 2500 they got the right of way you know because they're 2000 pound bulls just their head weighs 250 pounds. Yeah. You know, so... Don't get out of your car. As, I mean, even even the moose, you know, they tell you to give them 100 yards. They say 25 on some animals. I like to give everything 100 yards. Yes. Yeah. You know, pressuring an animal is stressing an animal, is how... I've always looked at that. I mean, anytime, even when I was photographing stuff for Bass Pro Shops, the you pressure an animal, you're stressing an animal. So... Uh, you know, and that works when you're trying to take pictures of turkeys because if you get too close, you're you've blown it, you know. So that kind of works. So that's why I've picked up a uh, a new lens while being out there just to be able to give them a little more of a cushion, if you know what I mean. What have you gotten? Uh, I got the new Sigma 150 to 600. Oh, Ryer loves that lens. Yeah, I do like that lens. Cool? yeah, yeah, I got to I mean, run it. You know, like every there that you're trying to push the limits on, like we do. You know, sunrise to sunset. Now. Yeah, but what were you so, saying? What were you saying about that lens? We were texting back and forth about that this morning. Uh, you know, it's just got its limitations. You know, you stick the uh, 1.4 teleconverter on there, which makes it a 840 millimeter. And I wasn't sure I was going to like it, so I didn't get the you know the great big monster lenses like we used to rent when I was at Bass Pro, the big twenty thousand dollar lens. Um, so I got this one from Keh out of uh, Smyrna, Georgia, the used camera broker. And uh, man, I tell you, just like you guys have figured out, you don't really need to spend twenty grand anymore. No, gosh, no. You know? Nor can I mean, how can I don't know how people do it. Well, and there's guys I run into out there in Wyoming every day while I'm uh, in the parks, uh, you know, that have the big equipment. But what I've learned by watching those guys walk around with that big stuff, and I never did this. I learned how to use it handheld. These guys will walk around, and you've seen them. They have 300 to 700-hour tripods uh, with the big gimbal on it to be able to move it, control it, and make it nice and smooth and easy to chase the animals with or follow them, not chase them, but follow. And they set those sticks up six foot two because that's how tall their eyeballs are. Well, that's not how you photograph animals, you know? Yeah. Uh, I got to photograph the Wapiti pack, which is one of the wolf packs 
in Yellowstone. And it was myself and two other guides were there uh, from our group. We were taking a group of 40 people to the other end of the park to drop them off. And I jumped out and laid on the ground um, to be at their level. And that was the day it was minus 22 degrees. I didn't take any gloves. I didn't even take a coat that day because I didn't think I would be, you know, out in the world too much. I mean, I had a jet. But anyway, I wound up getting frostbit on my fingers, uh, laying behind the tire. And these tires are 600 series tires. Like the tires on your truck are, you know, 280 series, whatever they are, you know. So these are big, huge tires. I was laying behind that. And then using the muffler to warm my fingers up. I'm sure that's real. But, you know, you're just, I'm like, you know, I'll warm up later. This You're just not going to get to see this every day. Well, it turns out there was a group of photographers coming in from West Yellowstone in a shuttle, similar to one we were driving. And uh, uh, these guys all march out. They all had, you know, you know, the big glass. And... They're looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate because I don't have a tripod. <laughs> I've got a 600-millimeter lens. It's just not the 2.8 like they're running. And um, they're seeing me lay on the ground, you know, in this cold weather without gloves. You know, I mean, I was just hillbilly. And uh, by the end of the 20 minutes that they finally got there before the wolf pack moved on, uh, two of them finally got their tripods down to about three feet off the ground. <laughs> they were not laying that snow. And I'm like, why would you come all this way and not give the animal the indication of photographing it correctly? You know? Yeah. Um, but I want to see their images versus yours too. And I guarantee you they're not any better. Well, and that's just it. I don't know what the, I, I know what I got. And by the time they showed up, they didn't get the images I got. So, and I even had clients when I got back in the, in the truck, they said, uh, do you have a business card? Because it seems like you knew how to photograph those animals compared to that group of guys that showed up. And I said, no, I'm not telling you my way was better. I just know I've done it both ways. And I actually learned to do that by photographing my son playing soccer. When you lay on the ground compared to standing up, you get a better image because you make them look bigger than they are or you're at their level, you know. It's just like doing a portrait. You would never look up somebody's nose while doing, um, you know, B-roll talking about the hunt that they did. You get eye level with a person. I try to do the same thing with animals. Yeah, for sure. You know, so, I don't know. seems like I jumped around a couple of uh, topics there. No, but. that was really cool. The whole thing about just, the, I mean, how... That's the how many wolf packs are in Yellowstone? Is that one that's pretty visible a lot of the time? Yeah. Well, there's six wolf packs in Yellowstone, but the Wapiti pack has 19 in it. Uh, it used to have 18 until we photographed 19, and we told the park rangers there's 19, um, and showed them the images, and they were like, "We've never been, we've never been had available updated footage that we can give our speeches with." And he kind of looked at me, and I said, I can make these available to you. Uh, speed limit's no longer uh, 25 mile an hour in the park, right? I mean, he was he didn't think that was funny, but I said, <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you have the images, you know, but just, 
you know, give me credit for them. Um, you know, not Doug Smith. I actually got to meet Doug Smith. The uh, 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 he would be the biologist that introduced the wolf packs to Yellowstone. Oh, really? That's but, super cool. Oh yeah, and I used to be the hundred percent anti wolf, you know, because that's killing all the um, animals that we were trying to hunt back in the day uh, with camera or with tags. And uh, and after listening to Doug, his point was the wolf pack that had been introduced, the uh, Canadian gray wolf, they're like 147 pounds. Um, they, they, they're massive. But what they do, I watched them. They actually only want to hunt something that's already dead or something that's almost dead. Because they're not going to attack Hulk Hogan, some 2,000-pound animal that could injure one of them or injure everybody in the pack. Now they're trying to survive instead of feed their family and themselves. And he said, not only that, they're under a telescope and a microscope because of the introduction 25 years ago. And he says, but now... What we've learned by keeping up with the wolf pack, we're finding out just how many animals are being killed or taken down, was the word he used, by uh, mountain lions. He said a mountain lion will harvest one mule deer a week. Yeah, I figured it'd be more than that. Well, yeah, it's like 52 for one, for one den. He goes, do you know how many wolves are in the park? We do. There's 93. Do you know how many uh, mountain lions are in the park? We have no idea, because guess how they run around in the dark? We don't know. So his point is very valid. I'm not, I've not moved over 50-50 or any way. I'm, you know, I'm still 75% a wolf disliker. <laughs> disliker. But they are, you know, um, they're just a cool animal to, to photograph because they're so family-oriented. Uh, they're just like your dog. When he gets around other dogs, they want to play and fight and run around, smell each other's rear end. And, uh, you know, we watched all that for over an hour. So, and I got to see that pack three different times. And in between the three different uh, episodes where I got to visit with, you know, see those animals and photograph the Wapiti pack, um, they, were, they were moving like 30 and 40 miles away in two days. Dang. Because I'd go up and I'd ask them, you know, I'd ask the rangers next time I saw one on a snowmobile or uh, at Old Faithful or something, where's the Wapiti Pack? Uh, oh, yeah, they went back up to uh, to the valley. I'm like, they're at Lamar Valley? Yesterday they were right down here. He goes, yeah. You know, they don't they don't stop just because it's dark. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. They keep running. They got to find food. So... The only pack that I've known of that actually runs back and forth from one end of Yellowstone to the other, which is amazing how far they'll actually Now, they don't take the road, so they're taking – and it done me back that up. During the winter, there's like three to eight feet of snow up there, so we did actually see them on the road a couple of times, just like the bison. They use the road because they don't want to have to exert any more energy than they have to being on the road – because it's, it's packed down snow compared to, you know, they don't have snowshoes. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, so we back to the animals I've seen out there. Uh, Shiras moose, uh, mountain lion. Had a mountain lion right in town this year. Uh, he was, he was, may, 
from my house in Jackson. Uh, he was 60 yards, or she was 60 yards off of the uh, sidewalk and less than a mile from the middle school. And the parents are all freaking out. We can't let our kids walk to school. Like, this lion's been living here forever. Yeah. This, watches your kids walk to school every day. Yeah. It just happens to have harvested a mule deer right here by the road. Yeah. And same thing. There have been, I'm going to say, 60 photographers that came in from three to five different states. Same thing. I never took a camera down there. I'm like, I waited till it left and went back and photographed the eagles that showed up. <laughs> Well, you're, you're, uh, you're starting to break up on us just a little bit again. Um, you kind of popped in and out on that, but we, we we got the most of it. But um, you said that you got some new gear. Um, yep. What What do you think is your your? I mean, I know you've taken some pictures of some new animals. What do you think is your favorite animal that you've been taking pictures of? Oh, it's always been the moose. From my first trip out there, it was the moose. Um. And they actually call me the Moose Whisperer there at the uh, shop. Uh, why, why, why do you like the moose so much? They're just a goofy animal that is very intriguing. I don't know. It's it's hard to describe until you've been around them. Because I've been on a hunt before. I've been on two hunts before. And it's amazing how something that's 1,400 pounds and seven feet tall at the shoulders can just flip and disappear just like an elk right in front of you. Like, how does that work? Um, and uh, it's kind of the, like if I was if I lived in Yellowstone, it would be the bison because we see that the most. Um, and most people want to come to the national park systems to see those two animals, and they want to see bears, grizzly and black. Have you taken uh, many pictures of those this year? I did. I got to see black bears a lot. Uh, did I see grizzlies this year? Oh, I did. Oh, yeah. Saw four grizzlies at one time. Um, actually, my first guided trip where I was guiding uh, without uh, another guide in the vehicle with me, just so I don't you don't get given bad information or don't know how to answer a question. That's how Scenic Safaris runs it out there until they see that you have the information down. Um, anyway, they're like, hey, you're ready to go. We got clients showing up. Run them in. And uh, they're like, look, we want to see a mountain lion, a grizzly, uh, a bull elk, and a bison. And I said, let me show you this unicorn first because that's the only thing you haven't asked for. That's the hardest thing to find. <laughs> it's well, it's like when me and Nicole went out there in August, we didn't see the first freaking animal the whole time we were out there. Really? No, we, really? Didn't, we saw yeah, bald what? eagles. We saw tons of bald eagles on that trip with you, but other than that, we did not see a single animal. Well, but you got to, you didn't get to go very much into the park. No, we didn't. We oh, had her. Yeah. There. Yep. Uh, did you ever make it into the Gravant Wilderness area? No, we, you know, remember we, we got those um, UTVs that day and we drove in a good bit. And we drove pretty much that whole day that day, but we didn't even see an antelope. We didn't see anything out there. Huh. Wow. That is what's weird, as the antelope all migrate. They migrate south. Like, I saw them on the way home, and I haven't seen an antelope for four months. Um, and they're kind of like everything else that kind of moves around as the weather predicts. 
But you guys were there in August. It was probably just probably just weather related. It was hot. It was it was it was really hot when we were there. Yeah. So, so it's like it's like it's, even though it's in the national park, the animals are still the same. They have eyes, nose, and ears. Yep. And they're not going to go out and stand in the heat. They're going to ha- wait till the evening and you know dawn and dusk. Um, and I'll even call clients if we're supposed to pick them up at you know one o'clock from their motel, condo, whatever, and take them into the uh, on a trip. I'll end up calling them and say, "Look, let's do this at a certain. You know, I'll move it around as the as the year changes, as time changes." And my last day in the park in the summer, I rearranged the schedule two hours because I told him I wanted to show him a bear and I want as much time as possible to do that. And that was in September as it's getting darker earlier. And we were able to show him, I think, four bears that day uh, just because we had extra time. You know, there was less pressure, uh, you know, on the animals and on me to to find the animals at, at that point. But. Um, and I, I wound up taking in my own binoculars to do that with, I've taken eight pairs just to give each client an opportunity to look through glass, um, compared to, uh, the company gives us one pair and I have better pairs of glass than they do, you know, <laughs> just because of, because of what we've always done. We've always chased animals and you and I both know the better the equipment, the better the experience. No, so, for sure. Uh, I also picked up that 1.4 um, teleconverter too for that camera. Just like I said, to give give those animals a little bit more space uh, for my safety and just to take the stress off of them as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've learned there's a whole different way of you got to focus with that rascal just because it it really knocks down a whole lot of light, but Man, when you get that thing sharp, it's amazing just how it changes how a picture looks using that long a glass. Um, I've usually used a 400 millimeter with a 1.4 or a uh, two-step converter. So uh, it's different having a 600 millimeter. How about you guys? What have you guys experienced with that 600? Have you gotten to use it very much with video? I used it in Colorado filming mule deer, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, the only drawback that I found for that lens is just how freaking big it is, and you tack that onto the front of an FS7, and you've got a, <laughs> yeah. you've got a pretty decently sized rig. Um, yeah. and Have definitely, you ever uh, a monopod on the base of the lens? while the camera's on sticks to give it some extra support? We, we run, um, we've got a 15-millimeter rod set up that goes on the bottom that's, of the camera that we support it with. That's right. I've seen that. I knew that. Yeah, so I think that's probably the only drawback I found. I really enjoyed the image quality out of it. Uh, I liked how far it could reach out there. And uh, it had I, I switched it between the stills camera and the video camera, and I took some really sweet pictures with it. Of course... To get a picture of somebody in the frame, I had to stand like a football field away. But uh, the or do a stitch, do a stitch of a. For the I think I did. I think I did one of those actually, and I think it turned out pretty cool. 
Um, yeah, cool. Yeah, he's cool. been on a stitch kick here lately. You've got him on a stitch kick for sure. He did a bunch of them when we were out in uh, the sand dunes in Southern California. It's addictive. Very addictive. Has that been talked about on a podcast? Did you guys talk about that on the last podcast you guys did together? <sighs> I don't remember. I don't even remember what we talked about the last podcast. It's been it's been a long time since we did one. I guess uh, it was, yeah, hey, it's been a while. Because I, I know you taught me how to do those. Or one, I, don't I was about remember. to say, I didn't teach you how to do them because I, I, I still don't, don't know how to do them. I don't remember if that was, if you kind of showed me on that first September trip or maybe um, maybe in Idaho this past, it wasn't really fall. It was kind of well, we still summer. I, we touched on it because I did a shot of the, uh, the campsite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then out in uh, September of 18. And then I know we did some out at uh, the Sawtooth, working with... Uh, oh, yeah. That's probably when y'all yeah. talked about it, when we did the Rent Guns and Gear shoot. Yep. Yep, very much. So yeah. for those who maybe have not been exposed to the technique of stitching Irwin, the master, what is it? How do you go about... What? Well, first of all, what is a stitch? What, what are we talking well, about when we say stitch? A stitch is when you're putting multiple images together to make a wide angle image Mm -hmm. if you don't have a wide angle lens. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's how I view that whole technique is I never want to be without that 150 to 600 ever. So if I need to do a photo, let's say of um, Brooks mountain range up at Brooks and all I have is the 150 to 600, I usually run it to about 600 millimeter. Mm Mm-hmm. And then turn it vertical and start at nine o'clock. If my subject is in front of me, my subject is at 11 o'clock to let's say two o'clock. I run that stitch vertical, not horizontal, but vertical with that 600 millimeter and start at nine o'clock and go, you know, sweep it all the way around to four o'clock. Just click, 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 sweeping from nine o'clock all the way to what? Three o'clock? Right. Minimum nine to three. Sometimes it's, you know, eight to four. If the subject is at, I'd rather overshoot it and crop it as opposed to going up. Well, I can't make any more up over here on the other edge. Mm-hmm. Um, what you end up doing by going vertical instead of horizontal, you don't lose the sky or ground. And it using the long lens gives you this, how do you get this wide angle with only a few things in focus, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as you're well aware, you can now, you know, like I say, lay on the ground and get something really close in front of you, way out of focus. And because you focus, you pre-focused, that's the big thing too, is to free pre-focus mm-hmm. on your subject, put placing them on the thirds and then running the stitch. But I also run the stitch with, um, uh, aperture priority. So as you're moving closer or further away from the sun, your depth of field never changes. Your shutter speed changes to compensate for the change in exposure, if that makes sense. And then when you go to edit those, I haven't done that in aperture priority. I've always done it in full manual because yeah. I didn't want to mess because it always seemed like to me if I were to change the exposure between shot to shot, it would be tough to kind of mesh them together. Have you found that to be difficult, or no, how do you how do you overcome it, that? To me, it's all about getting the shot. 
and fixing it in post, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can get a whole lot closer letting the camera change the exposure mm-hmm. as opposed to me trying to frame, move the camera, because I don't use a tripod like you guys are having to. I'm trying to do it all as quick as I can mm-hmm. uh, and framing it at the same time, keeping it level, uh, just because I don't want to carry a set of sticks around. Uh, sticks seem to make me lazy. You end up getting the shot set up and you go, okay, I took so much time setting up this tripod. I'm done. Yeah. Where with that, I can I jump and take, take multiple shots. I, I think tripods make video people lazy too, not just photo people. I think people get stuck in a rut that they feel like they have to shoot everything off a tripod and then everything looks nice and steady and, and it's almost too clean, but then you miss yes. out on the the rawness of the, the scene or, or what, what's going on. Exactly. Well, and you end up not being able to chase the sunset because, well, I took me too long to set up these tripod and get everything level, yeah. you know, and uh, like I say, I, I, I end up doing an awful lot of work in post. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, having to level and uh, stretch and uh, there's another word that's in there. Can't think of what I end up going into. I haven't done a stitch where I've actually written down what I, I just get in front of the computer and do it. I don't <laughs> do it. You know, tell people how to do it. Um, just puts it into his computer and it just happens. Well, no, sometimes I've, I've spent sometimes two hours making a stitch go together and then not happy with it and go, yeah, whatever, throw it away. And just, you know, it's just not, you, you, when you're looking at it and you're, oh, this would be a great stitch. And you take it, you spend all that time making it happen because it's fresh. You can do it that night. You, you know, it's one of those, you got to get it edited now because it's so cool. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, whatever. It wasn't what I thought it was. And then somebody walks in while it's on my computer. It's like, wow, that's cool. Really? Why is it cool? Yeah, and for, for those of you listening, you know, the way that you put these stitches together, once you take the vertical images, is you bring them into, is it Lightroom or Photoshop, does it? Uh, you can one. do it in both. Either one. And then yeah. you just ingest them into the program. And in a perfect world, it stitches together nice and pretty. But if not, you got to do a lot of manual work. Yeah. I don't do any and, of the manual work. If it doesn't, if the program doesn't stitch it together for me, that's as, that's as much patience as I have for that at this particular moment. <laughs> like, I don't really feel it. I, I, don't, I don't like Photoshop that much. So yeah. I don't want to have to go in there and stretch things too much. Well, from working at Or Mastro, finagle with it. We had the ability to make images perfect, and it's really hard not to make them perfect if you know how to do that now in mm-hmm. Photoshop. We had we actually took a class in Lightroom from the guy that invented Lightroom. Oh, really? Uh, That's cool. Yeah. And then we had a guy, we had two guys actually at Bass Pro that were masters at Photoshop, and one guy actually had a degree where he was a master of Photoshop. Um, so we learned how to manipulate or edit or lie, whatever words you want to use, <laughs> uh, you know, to fix a photo with brushes and dodge tools and burn tools and, uh, stretching and leveling. I mean, it's Erwin, I, wa- I, I one time watched you change of image that you took that somebody had on one brand of camo and you changed the brand of camo they were wearing. I'll never, <laughs> I'll never forget it. I'm like, that is voodoo, the, voodoo magic right there. Use the image, yeah. But it makes sense for, you just got to think about how the industry works and how 
they want this picture, but you know that person has oh it's the wrong the this sponsor won't use that picture because he's where he's using the wrong this and that's you're a, like that's the picture that that's I have. exactly what happened well, is they had you on have, and you have to they had it. on everything camo correct but i think their face mask and their gloves were the wrong camo yep and he and went in and fixed them and even the, the gun and the gun yeah, yeah the gun was wrong yeah yeah i mean it's like i was just sorting through footage today there's great shots that i have i can't use them because it's the wrong <laughs> brand of pattern or it's the wrong camo pattern yeah and it's like it's well, not even the person it's not even one of the guides it's just like you know it's just yep. a dude yeah but you can't well, show that in the video yeah. so oh it's in video yeah yeah, video is a little well, tougher to change. I'm not rotoscoping that. There's no way that'll no. take me four days. And that'll days. look like doo-doo butt when it's done. <laughs> so another well, question. Seriously, Briar, you, you get to a point where you're like, man, I I got a great image, but it needs to have a separate camo. I know a guy that can fix that, and it's not me. And this guy is, this guy was doing changes to images that I was shooting in the studio because they weren't complete. He was doing the changes of the brand. This, let's say it was a turkey call. You know, they all have the laser engraving built into the box call mm-hmm. on top of the panel. It was the wrong etching work. He was able to go in there and fix it, and it still looked like laser engraving faster than I could drop a new shot in, take it, work it, send it, take it, work it, send it. He's like, how about this one? I'm like, dude, I just sent you that one. I know. I'm like, yeah, but to be changed. I mean, he is that good. So don't get to the point where you're like, ah, this image, I can't never use it and throw it away because it can be fixed. It can, it can be fixed. <laughs> Everything yeah. can be fixed. It's I mean, just this how, guy, much, how much time and money are you willing to pay exactly for it to be right. fixed? Everything well, can be fixed I, in post. See, this guy does it like Michael Jordan plays basketball. Mm-hmm. So to him, it's not a lot of work. He's like, Oh, I can just throw that together real quick. I'm like, uh, yeah, but for everybody else, that takes six hours. Yeah, I did it in seven minutes. I said, I know you did. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, um, what's what do you think's your favorite picture of the fall so far? Ooh, that's difficult. Wow. Of the fall, man. Or since you, so many. it doesn't have to necessarily have to be the fall, but just since you've gotten to Yellowstone and to to, to uh, Jackson Hole, just since man. your little adventure started, if you had to pick one or two, what would they be? Uh, I don't know, man. Because I did I send you the moose jumping over the fence? Yeah, the you snow? did. Yeah, you sent me that one. And that's not this epic shot. That's like, wow, I've never gotten a deer doing that, let alone a moose jumping over a fence. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. There's so many. The light, as you guys know, out west. Once you get west of Missouri, get to Kansas, Oklahoma, the sunsets and sunrises out there, they're always pink or gold. It's like, oh. So there's so many landscapes that I've done out there that I'm I'm about six weeks behind on editing still. That's where I'm at. Um, how many pictures? Ed- how many pictures you think you take this fall? Oh my lord! I don't know. I had to I had to order another two terabyte hard drive the other day. I filled up a two and filled up a one. That's a lot of pictures. Yeah, so three terabytes of pictures is a crap ton of pictures. Yeah, and especially if they weren't for clients, except for the shots we did with uh, ring guns ring and gear. gear. Yeah. Um. 
Which they've been uh, using the heck out of those here recently too, so that's good. Yeah, saw one. Uh, in fact, I texted the guy that was loaning us the uh, the gun shop where they're doing all their FFL work out of. Yeah. Um, just texted him yet. Um, I don't know, man. There's a bison where I'm laying in the snow again that's covered in snow walking right towards me. Yeah, I saw that one on your Instagram the other day. That one's sick. Uh, you know, it's shots like that that are like, I know why I woke up this morning because I got that. And nobody yeah. else was around. Yeah. You know? Well, that's uh, that's kind of a, that kind of leads into my next question, you know, the laying in the snow thing. What do you, you know, what's some tips you can give people uh, if you're taking pictures in the snow or you're taking pictures in extreme conditions, what are some things that, you know, you've experienced with either cameras or batteries or gear you needed to add? You know, is it, you got any tips and tricks for doing stuff like that? Yeah. The best thing you can ever do is what I didn't do this morning. Get rid of the 16 gig and put it in the 32. Yeah. Because I had to change cards this morning and a battery. And I looked at them before I went in the woods and I, ah, I got plenty. Well, when the birds show up, you don't have plenty. Uh, and I actually have a custom made, uh, poncho, uh, that a company built for me that actually, I was able to change a memory card and a battery on a monopod this morning with turkeys, uh, four turkeys less than 30 yards away. That's awesome. Can't do that without that poncho. Yeah, no doubt. Nobody's making a poncho. If somebody's out there listening, make a poncho that's a leafy suit because it's a game changer. Oh yeah, we've talked about that for turkeys so many times. If you once you get under that, once you get under that netting and under that poncho, oh. man, you can just it's, about get away with a murder. And I've gotten to wear, Caleb. I even wear a leaf, leafy suit under that. And you can wear blue jeans and a bikini if you wanted. To, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's or that's Ryers. That's Ryers normal attire: blue jeans and yeah, a bikini. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> he, he's not even gonna respond. <laughs> Let the people think what they want. I'm not responsible for any late night thoughts you guys may have about me. <laughs> Ryder, I'll, let, I'll Ryder, let your guys' imagination run away with that. <laughs> I it's said, up to you. He went straight there for a couple. Oh man, that's good. I had uh, a I had a question about um, kind of the differences maybe that you've seen, Irwin between i guess people let's let's you you've guided some photographers right um yes. so photographers video crews actually so what what do you think is the difference and what differences have you seen between um somebody who's trained and skilled as a photographer or videographer uh just in general and and somebody like yourself or like us who's really specializes in uh, especially hunting media, what's the difference yeah. as you see in kind of like maybe their eye and um, their techniques and the approach, and maybe their approach. Like what are some of those differences being as they, you kind of worked with both of them? Instantly, they don't look at light like we do. They don't see it. They just, they, and they, you, you can't make them see it. It's instant. They're like, I said, okay, this is cool. But if you come around back side, they're like, no, I've already got the shot. I said, okay, do this one just for me and then throw it away right in front of me if you don't like it. <laughs> and the guy spent 30 minutes doing that angle that I had him get on. 
He's wow. like, that is freaking epic. I said, I know, right? But you know, how can I live you not? Here. How can you not though? Like, I feel like that's like, well, that's not even I got anything that, to do with the animals. It's got everything to do with understanding shot composition. Well, these this wasn't even an animal. This was people. Oh. And these guys, these guys came from Manhattan, and uh, you're, you're going down a road. I'm going to really make some people mad, but it just <laughs> you, you hear the frustration. <laughs> And I mean, this, uh, <laughs> I mean, not to be political here, but be political. Um, they're just used to going off of storyboards. I'll put it that way. Yeah. They, they, they don't they, know how to make it up. They don't know how to just run with what's at Bass Pro Shops. We were given this guy has to be aiming left to right. Okay. I got it. It doesn't say you got to see the front of him while he's doing that. Yeah. These guys just couldn't, could not get past going by the storyboard. Yeah, they didn't really venture off or try and be creative. They just went shot by shot. They did, but it was after coaxing them and holding their hand. And actually me doing it. I'm like, you stand here and watch what I do and film this with that woman as opposed to me. Mm -hmm. And I... (laughs) They were like, oh, my gosh, you just appeared out of that fog. I'm like, I know, right? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. So I wound up getting some behind-the-scenes footage because I had my gear with me. And, you know, these guys were – they were – they just couldn't get past – they didn't know how to look at light to make it work to their advantage. And that's what I see as the biggest issue – I mean, this morning I set up knowing which way the turkeys were coming. And I've never seen these birds before, but you kind of get it in your mind. They're coming from right there or they're just not coming. And they, it happened to work that way. But uh, because I didn't want the light coming the other direction. I wanted it this way. And I've, I've set up wrong on the animal because I wanted the light right. To me, it's that important. And it, it's hard for people to grasp that that are trying to do a storyboard and literally I ran over this guy's camera. You know, he had a red camera and you ran over a red. I made him set it in the road while I drove over. It oh, I thought you backed over but, somebody's but, camera or when you scared me for a minute. No, <laughs> I mean, and I told him, I was like, look, dude, I climbed under the machine and raised my arm straight up. Like I'm doing a bench press. And I said, I'm not even touching this truck. Your camera might be nine inches tall. I'm not going to run over the camera. And if you don't like the image, throw it away. I backed over that truck three times and we did it again and again and again and again. You know, he's like, oh, my gosh, that is epic. (laughs) I know, right? You know, (laughs) oh, my. You know, it's just so hard to get him to go past. I'm like, you've already got the shot on the list. What about all the extra stuff? Yeah. They don't have room for extra. Okay, then they'll throw away the stuff. I don't get paid for extra stuff. That's what it was, dude. That's exactly what it was. He didn't get... I'm like, shoot stuff for yourself then. Forget the shot. Don't ever show it. Use it on your Instagram page. Yeah. And that's kind of what sold him, was that conversation. He's like, you know, you're right. Let me just do something for me. And he's like, what else you got? I'm like, "Uh, I can go faster, (laughs) you know, and throw... (laughs) What else you got? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Well, I think that's... I think that's a good point too, because I think that just for myself, one of the one of the things that I like to do is when I'm trying to like think of something different, because I 
I like to get shots that maybe nobody else has gotten. Uh, yeah, they've, prob- they've probably been gotten before, but I like to think that maybe they're unique. But they didn't get as dirty or as wet as you got. <laughs> right, and so that's what I like to do is I like to go, okay, where has this camera not been? How can I put it in a place that it yeah. hasn't been or in an unconventional place? And yep. I think uh, I think Caleb would probably say you're probably the same way. Yeah. And you're not afraid to well, it, put yourself in a precarious or dirty or dangerous situation to get a shot. And somebody exactly. who doesn't do outdoor stuff yeah. and isn't regularly exposed to literally having to hang on to the side of the truck with a camera in one hand to get a shot of mm-hmm. of the road yep. going by, they're not going to do that. But that goes yep. back to that goes back to two things we were talking about earlier. How you can get lazy on a tripod. You know, those guys are probably using a tripod or a slider for just about everything. Mm-hmm. They're not hand-held, hand-holding much at all. And then it goes back to they're not getting paid for extra. We, by the we, way, I have a tripod for sale, by the way, if anybody wants one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, you know, but that goes back to what we were saying earlier about, you know, if the guy's not getting paid for anything extra, but, you know, feel, you know, look how saturated the market is and what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and how you can only film a deer hunt or an elk hunt or a turkey hunt so many different ways. Mm-hmm. So if we're not constantly searching for a new way or a new perspective, a new angle, a new storyline, a new something, then what are we doing? We're just we're we're sitting in a vacuum or in oh, an echo cham echo chamber saying the same thing over and over again. Yep. Um and this yep, it's it's, right. it's kind of disheartening though to think that somebody from New York, especially probably way out of their element, um, coming out to Yellowstone isn't looking for perspective. And, and I would think they would have even a different perspective than even you or I would because they're not, that's not the life that they live, you know? Right. No, they live in a box. Yeah, for sure. They don't live outside. Yeah, the they box. walk to work. <laughs> I mean, eh, I wouldn't even go down that road. They, <laughs> uh, there was just so much wrong with that shoot. I had to loan them my roadie. Really? They, they didn't have a backup. I'm like, you Yours doesn't work. He goes, that's all right. We'll just play music over this part. I'm like, is this part of the, this is part of. What the, were they filming? The introduction of Yellowstone. Well, not the introduction. They were educating people about Yellowstone, what it has to offer in the winter. I'm like, there's a company there called Teton Gravity School. Oh, I think uh, I've seen stuff by them. Yeah. Or not Teton Gravity School, Teton Gravity. Gravity Research? Yeah, Gravity Research. research. That's it. That's it. Gravity Research. You know, there's like 40 people there that could have done a phenomenal and not even charged them for a hotel room or a rental car, you know. But I I was like, how does somebody from Manhattan, not 25 years old yet, he wasn't even 20. How do you get that job? Government, man. I guarantee that was a government bid. Yeah, but still. And they probably paid way too much for it. (laughs) Exactly. Well, you know they did. You know, but oh, I guess, yeah. Well, what's but, uh? So just to to kind of start wrapping up. I mean, we're almost to an hour, and you said you were going to go film turkeys in forty minutes. So we've kept you a little longer than we thought we would. But what's next for you on your adventure? What's the plan for uh, going back to Yellowstone and and the rest of twenty twenty? If we can get out of this Corona crap, uh, going back probably in six weeks. Uh, I even talked to the boss today. His words were, we needed Erwin here today. I said, you give me the words that I can tell my wife, and I'm already packed. <laughs> He's like, he shows me a picture of them still riding snowmobiles at 9,200 feet to yesterday. And I'm like, ah! 
I'm like, that's not going to make my wife let me go. I need more than that. You know? <laughs> uh, so That's something I'd like to do. I've never done that. That'd be really fun. It's really cool riding snowmobiles in, uh, in the woods, you know, uh, six to eight feet of snow. Mm. I think they had over 300 inches up there this year. Jesus. Yeah. So I've never seen three inches, much less 300 inches. Yeah. And that was cool. every day I'm driving anywhere from three to five feet. And one day I got stuck the last day of the season. I stuck that machine in three and a half feet of snow. Dang. Took an hour to get out of that. But I told the, I told the boss, I said, look, if I didn't have to have somebody from the office come and help me get out, I did not get stuck. There's no proof. There's no video. <laughs> there's no, I didn't show video of it because there, there's no proof. It didn't never happen. happened. Exactly. If you can't yeah. prove it, man, it never right. happened. And it happened on the last day. So nobody else got to see the train wreck that it looked like for seven miles of me trying to get unstuck. It wasn't seven <laughs> miles. But it was, to me, it felt like every time I had to get out with a shovel. You know, and you got clients in the car thinking, what is this guy from? Like, so, yeah. you, so you see yourself sticking, out, sticking it out in Yellowstone and Jackson Hole for a little I while? I do. Just, uh, and I know it's going to dry up at some point. Um, you know, th- events will happen where I have to be home instead of able to be out there. Um, and uh, I'll back up and I'll tell you how I actually got the job. Uh, I was actually driving Uber on part-time basis after work, and I took my boss home, and she asked what I do for a living, because there's no way I make a living driving Uber. And I said, no, Uber's just kind of what pays my bills for my daughter to go to college on the weekends and stuff, but uh, I showed her the images on my little uh, iPhone 6 small edition the se phone (laughs) yeah and she hired me in her driveway because of the life experiences i had and the fact that i could photograph animals and knew how to find animals and so don't discard anybody that's in front of you as a potential client i mean that that speaks volumes in my world when i can be hired by looking at my phone and you apologize. Sorry for the telephone. It's so small. Uh, turns out she only had a 7, an iPhone 7, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But uh, don't not show somebody your work just to get them to see you, you know. Um, and just, just that whole experience, being able to do that for the summer and the winter, and I'm the old guy there. Everybody there that's a guide is in their 20s and 30s. There's a couple of people in their 40s, but man, not many. Um, there's one other guy that's there that's uh, 60, 62. Uh, but I've lost my train of thought. The chickens, the chickens walked out of the woods. Um, <laughs> well, no, we just wanted you to kind of <laughs> tell us, you know, what the what the rest of the what rest of the plan was for going back out there. Gotcha. Um, just going to go back out there probably in six weeks. And it, this job is one of those jobs that lasts for five months. Then you're off for two months because nobody's there. Just like nobody's working now. There's nobody that works in Jackson. It's a resort that revolves around skiing. And if it's not skiing, it revolves around hiking and camping. So you got to go in between those two seasons. 
so it's one of the best gigs because I get to come home and chase turkeys with a camera for two months. Yeah, you know? no, well, we're trying to chase turkeys too. They're kicking our butt around here right now, but uh, we'll yeah. get after them eventually. Um, so I'm going to go back out there, run uh, ATVs, side-by-sides, the Bigfoot uh, monster shuttles into 600 series tires, and uh, basically... A, I mean, it's, I thought Bass Pro Shops was living a dream. This is really one of those dream jobs that you just can't believe you stumble into at age 52 years old, you know, that because they let me say, sell my images at the office. I have uh, um, prints, you know, 30 by 50s. Well, that was my next, that was going to be my final question is where can people find some of your stuff that they'd like to buy something? Uh, Instagram. Uh, my daughter made up, I know a guy, and, uh, that's, and I tell people, I, as I show them images on the iPad, as we're driving out of the park at dark, and right as I get them off the shuttle, I'm like, where do you find me at on Instagram? They're like, I know a guy. Like, what's my name? I know a guy. No, I've told you my name all day. They don't remember that. They remember <laughs> the cash, you know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, or at Scenic Safaris, um, like I say, I, I help them with their social media yeah. stuff. If you ever if you ever make your way out to Jackson Hole, go find Irwin and ask for Irwin when you go take a scenic tour. I'll probably pick I'll probably pick him up at the airport in Uber. <laughs> he does it all, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Well, dude, uh, I appreciate the heck out of it. Thanks for taking the time and uh, go take some pictures dude, of turkeys, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, go take all some right, pictures man. of turkeys for us, dude. Yeah, Howard, if I can send you guys any images. I uh, will, buddy stuff or support anything you guys got going on love what you guys are doing yeah for sure we'll get some for this pop for this post for sure okay cool thanks buddy all right see you Ryan. bye